You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. We're going to continue in Hebrews. As you might remember last time, we, we left the series of the attributes of God and we started in Hebrews. So last time, just a bit of a recap, we looked at the first three verses of Hebrews, did a bit of an overview of what we're going to be looking at. So today we're, we're going to continue in that chapter one. So to get us started, I'm, I'm going to read the whole chapter. So Hebrews 1, if you're going to follow along with your Bibles, if not, feel free just to listen. Um, but can I encourage you to yeah follow along in your word and, and um, yeah, see what it says. So Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his, of his power after making purifications for his sin, for sins, for our sins, not his sins, sorry. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the, angel, to the angels as his name he has inherited. is more excellent than theirs. For of which angel did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you? Or again, I'll be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels wings and ministering ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of upright." is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations in the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are, are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are inherit salvation? So that's Hebrews 1. So last time we discovered that, that the author was te- last time we discovered that the author was teaching us all through the Hebrews about the supremacy of Christ and elevating Christ above all the old ways. We see the first subject he talks about is that Christ is better than angels and elevating Christ higher, higher above the angels. Strange place to start if you really think about it. Why angels? If you've read through Hebrews and gone over and gone over it, the first part you know, coming up in Hebrews, it talks about the supremacy of Christ over four massive parts that meant a lot to the Jewish people. For example, that Christ is more, more superior to angels, what we're going to cover today. That's in chapters 1 and 2. We see he's more superior to Moses in chapters 3 and 4. We see he's more superior than the old priests in chapters 5 and 7. And we see that he's more superior to the old sacrifices and covenants in 6 to 10 that were made in the, in the wilderness in the Old Testament. The author is building a case that the new way, new way mediated by Christ is far superior than the old. So after all that... So after all that, Angel seems like a strange one to start with, but there must have been some mis- misconceptions of what level angels were and how they're related to Christ. 
for the author to address this as the first reason. This was put into the word not just for them back in their time, but it also relates to us and we can take a lot from it as well. The Jews saw angels fairly high. They saw that their glory, they had glory that shone. They also saw them in the Old Testament bringing the law from God, also bringing messages from God. The reason that was such a big deal to them was they started to see angels as a bridge to God, as they were coming from God and bringing commands from God, also angels taking their prayers back to God. This is how the Old Testament, this is how it was in the Old Testament. But that's the point the author is getting across, that Christ is more superior than the ways of old and changing what we think about angels. So let's dive straight to the verse 4 where it says, having become much more superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So straight away we see that the author of Hebrews starting with how much more superior Christ is to angels. That makes my job easy, enough said. We don't have to go into it anymore. It's solved, it's said in the word, he's more superior. I wish that wasn't the case, but as we read, there's another 10 verses in this chapter about why he's more superior. So as we continue through it, um, we see that in verse 4 gives us a, a topic to the case and the rest of the verses are backing up to the statement that Christ is far more superior. So the first point of Christ being superior to angels is brought up in verse four, 4 when he says that Christ has received a name far more superior than any other name. And this is further on built in verse 5 and 6. It says, For the angels, for which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I'll be a father to him, and he shall be a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. So we see the name of Christ that has been given, that is far more superior, is the name Son. He is the Son of God. But not, not in just the fact that he is the son of God, but he has taken up the throne. Remember, as we went through in verse 3, Hebrews, what says, his, his radiance and glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by word of his power. After making purifications for our sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. As we talked about in last preach, after Christ was successful in his mission of purification of sins, what is... Said in Hebrews 2.14, what says, Since therefore children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, and through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, as the devil. And through that successful completion of purification, he's declared the Son of God, through the power of the resurrection that takes his place to the right hand of the Father. Romans 1.4, And was declared to the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. We see that Christ was always the Son of God, but that was proclaimed when he was enthroned after making purifications for our sins. In verse 3 of Hebrews, we see Christ taking his place, his throne. If we look at the Old Testament, when the king was enthroned, there was an acclamation of them taking the throne and formally taking up his title and his inheritance and his name. Christ was always eternally the Son of God from the start. He was always the heir to all things. But once he had made purifications for our sins, he had triumphed over sin and death. Christ was declared son of God and heir of all things on a new basis and in a new way. He now reigns not only by his eternal right, but now the right of his victory over sin and death. He is the son of God, empowered by the resurrection. 
So once Christ has completed purification, he was proclaimed king, the son of God. As we see in Romans 1 and 4, he was declared the son of God. Also, we see in Psalm 2, 7, and, the, and we see in the verse 5 of the, the author of Hebrews brings your attention back to the Old Testament by quoting Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel. But first Psalm 2, what says, I will tell of your decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make you a nation, nations to your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. And we see in 2 Samuel. So 2 Samuel, a bit of context, is a chapter where God's talking to David through Nathan, the prophet. David wants to build a, um, a temple, but um, it's God ensuring that um, David's line and kingdom will last forever for his offspring, and that will be achieved through Christ. So 2 Samuel 2, 12 to 17 says, When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I'll, ri- I'll rise up your offspring after you. You shall come from your body and establish his kingdom. You shall build a house for my name and I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I'll be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words in accordance with all this vision Nathan spoke to David. We see here God talking about Christ and enthroning Christ and the enthronement will last forever. We also see here as well that Christ is given the power and the kingdom. So after all that we, we see that once Christ took his place in verse 3, he was given the kingdom and declared the Son of God in power through what he accomplished. And we see that through Christ, through this, Christ superior by name to the angels, not just by name, but what he has accomplished. So the point of verse five is that there is no angel, there's no angel that is at Christ's level, no angel is enthroned, no angel sits in the throne with power as Christ. Does no angel is is or was declared the Son of God. Christ is not just superior by name, but he's superior by power that comes with enthronement, as he is king. Jesus became the bridge for us to come to God through his resurrection and his enthronement. He's a bridge. He bridges the gap. He is our mediator to the Father and all through him and in his power. Not angels. Angels don't have the power to do it. They don't have the power to bring us to the Father, but it's through Christ and Christ only. Through all this, don't get me wrong, Christ was eternally the Son of God from day dot, but his enthronement and declared to be the Son once he completed purifications for our sin. And once he completed that, he was declared and took his place on the throne. And the author of Hebrews is getting out here that what angel has God proclaimed or enthroned? What angel has he proclaimed or inherited the name of the Son of God? The answer is none. Christ is proclaimed Son of God and sits enthroned with power over all things. He is far superior than angels. And to him belongs to all the worship, the praise, and it is Christ we need to worship, not angels, as he is far superior from the ways of old. Next point in the case that Christ is superior to angels is in verse 6 of Hebrews where it says, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. We see in the next part of Hebrews that the author states that Christ was the firstborn into the world. Now, this is not referring to that Christ was born into creation, but instead it means that he existed before all creation. 
and, and all creation is his heritage. And as great as angels are, they are still created beings. So when the firstborn enters the world, he is worshipped. He was the firstborn. He was there before the angels and he has the authority over them. Christ is also the firstborn into the new creation. Um, for those who put their trust in him will join Christ in that new creation, but more on that later. And we see in the next part of the verse that God has commanded, commanded the angels to worship him. We see the author of Hebrews again getting inspiration from the Old Testament. He gets this from Psalm 97, 6 to 7. What says, The heavens proclaim your righteousness, righteousness, and all the people see his glory. All worship, worshippers of the image are put to shame. He who makes their boast in worthless idols, worship him, all you gods. Also in Deuteronomy 32:43, Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses the people's lands. Both these scriptures bring to light what the author is saying, that we are to worship Christ, the firstborn above all, that to him belongs to all the glory. After all, what defines us as Christians from all other religions? We are the only ones that worship Christ and place Christ as the king of all. Um, another reason for angels worshipping Christ is that he's the enthroned king. He's enthroned as God. Christ is not an angel. He's the very king that is to be worshipped. He's the head of the kingdom. He's the king and the angels are the servants, as we'll soon go into. We are to recognise Christ as king, as he deserves all the glory and praise. Christ is not a son of God like you and me, but he is the declared righteous son of God, the king forever, a God of all. Every knee will bow and worship him eternally, the eternal and divine king. The case of worshipping Christ as king of all is, is a big one. As other religions might put Christ in a place of honour, we're the only ones that truly place him at the top as the king of everything. We see that God, that is by God's command, that we are to worship Christ, not angels or other idols, but to Christ our saviour, our God, the king forever. And as we know that we are commanded to love God and God alone, this also shows his full deity as a son of God. And we come to the third point that is in verse 7, 8 and 9. As it says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministry, ministers of flame of fire. But the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions. We see the third point, third point that the author brings to our attention. Here is Christ is superior due to his divine sovereignty. And now that we know what the sovereignty of God is, after we've gone through the characteristics of God series, we know that Christ is sovereign above all things. We see in this verse, the description of angels comes from Psalm 104.4, what says, he makes his messages winds and his ministers his ministers are flaming fire. We see that the author uses a psalm describing angels and he describes them, as we just read, as a fairly powerful, glorious image. Even though we are to worship Christ and Christ alone, we can't despise or get rid of angels either as their role is an important one. They, after all, through 
even though they are lowest of Christ, God has still created them and uses them and deploys them to carry and bring the word of God. All through the Bible, angels bring the word of God to his people. As it says later in Hebrews 1.14, are they not ministering spirits sent out to serve the sake for those who, who are to inherit salvation? Angels have a role. They are created not just to be, not to be worshipped, but to be ministering spirits to grow the kingdom of the one who is enthroned. That is Christ. Their purpose is to advance the kingdom of God and bring glory to Christ's name, not their own. So it's a real issue when we start to worship them and not Christ, when we start to see them as a bridge to God and not Christ. They don't, they don't save us. They just bring messages of Christ and whom belongs all the glory and the power and salvation lies. We need to get the position of angels right in our theology. So we're not serving angels, but we're serving Christ. Even though they have less glory than Christ, they still have a significant glory. If you read the stories in the Bibles, angels a lot of the time strike fear upon people because of the glory they portray. Even John in Revelation was tempted to worship an angel. Revelation 19.10 says, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. And I fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brother and your brother who holds to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. We see that even John, one of Christ's apostles, was even tempted into worshipping an angel. The angel stopped him and redirected his worship. We can see from this that there is a real reason why the first chapter is about the supremacy of Christ over angels. They're still, they're still glorious. They're still glorious being, but they're not Christ. They're not our saviour. They're not the bridge back to the Father. And we, are, and we need to worship the Son of God, not angels. We see from this point as well as the sovereignty of Christ over angels. While Christ sits enthroned, the angels are sent out to bring messages under Christ's sovereignty and do as he commands. As in Revelation said, we are yet but a servant to Christ. We see in verse 8 and 9 where it goes on about the sovereignty of Christ. We see these verses have been taken from Psalm 45, where it's a psalm about God's kingdom forever. Before we dive into it, one thing the author of Hebrews is trying to get across here is that the Old Testament is very, very relevant to us. We need to be reading it with Christ in mind. We need to be putting on our Christ-minded glasses on every time we read the Old Testament. It's the key of opening up and revealing the Old Testament and seeing Christ in it. So Psalm 45, 67 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is the scepter of uprightness. You love righteousness and hate of wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So we see in the psalm that it's directly uh, talking about Christ. And without the Christ-minded glasses on, it would be easy to read this and not pick up the amazing reference of the sovereignty of Christ. We see here that it was also intended for God's Son to be enthroned, as the Son of God is all through the Old Testament, taking up... Taking, talking, sorry, Old Testament, talking up and leading up to the glorious enthroning of our Lord and Saviour. It says, the scepter of your kingdom and the uprightness of the uprightness. This is the basis of why Christ 
is exalted. This is why he is our saviour. He's, he's the anointed son of God because his righteousness, he's worthy to reign as God's son and able to be our saviour. And with this being the case, who else will be turned to to be saved? Who else will be turned to to be made clean? Who else, who can make the unrighteous righteous? The only one, the king of righteousness, Christ himself, not angels. Isaiah 9, 67 says, For to us a child is born, to us the son is given, and the government he shall, shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The author of Hebrews over the past few references of the Old Testament has proven that Christ is far superior to angels and to whom belongs all the glory. And to Christ belongs all praise and adoration. The author has shown us that Christ is superior by his name. He's superior because the angels worship him. He's superior because of his divine sovereign anointing and sovereignty. The author of Hebrews' main objective is to prove the supremacy of Christ over the old ways and of doing things. He has, compl- he has completed and been successful in this. As we went through last sermon, there is no need for a third phase of God as Christ being the second phase has perfectly completed what needed to be done for us to be reconciled with Christ. And through that, he was enthroned high above and he reigns as we have gone over today. We see that the author has proven using the Old Testament references that Christ, Christ that Christ that God the Father acts and ordains, he has appointed and declared Jesus as son and heir. He has enthroned him on the throne of eternal righteousness and places the angels below him and commands that we worship Christ. The reason behind this is that the Father loves the Son and wants to exalt and bless him, just as the Son loves the Father and wants wants him to be praised. But that's not where it ends. There's another reason for Christ being declared and enthroned. It was not only for the Father, but it is for us. God appointed and enthroned the Son so that we might be reconciled to him and enter into salvation through the Son as our mediator. This is why the eternal Son became man and was declared son of God in power. It was God's perfect plan put into action through his amazing love for us. God's son became like us so that we might become like him through Christ's resurrection. So if we we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus, then when we read these references about the king through Hebrews, they resonate to us. Through salvation, through him, through Christ, we have become sons of God. Through Christ, we are washed clean made right with the Father. As Christ is called Son, so are we when we are saved through Christ. And in verse 6, Christ being the firstborn into all creation, to us that not only means that he created all, it also means that Christ was firstborn into the new creation where where we are walking towards through Christ. Colossians 1.18 And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that everything he might be preeminent. As Christ was firstborn through the resurrection and completion of his purification of our sins, so we will be born through Christ as long as we are saved and put our trust in Christ. In verse 9, we see that Christ 
being anointed from the Father with oil or gladness beyond your companions. As Christ is enthroned, his kingdom reigns forever. When we are saved, we are reborn into this kingdom. We will reign with Christ and his blood as his blessed companions and living with God. This is the goal. This is the ultimate end that one day we'll be with Christ in the kingdom with him. We see through the chapter, the author brings the case together that Christ is far superior than angels, showing along the way that the new covenant that is mediated through Christ is better than the old mediated by angels. Through Christ, the gap between us and God has been diminished. Through Christ, we are saved. Through Christ, we are made whole. Through Christ, we are forgiven. Through Christ, we will be home. And through Christ, the barrier of sin has been broken. We have, we have a direct way to God. To the Son of God who is enthroned on high, at the right hand of the Father in righteousness, forever belongs to praise and adoration. By far, Christ is superior to angels in the ways of old. So I'll leave it there for today, guys. Um, so I'll just pray before we end. So, Father, we, we thank you for, for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you that you're the one we worship. You're the one we, we serve. We're the one that um, we want to advance your kingdom. We pray that you continue to work in us, Jesus. Help us to, to seek you as God and put you high above. Help us to put you at number one in our lives and help us to worship you, Jesus. We pray that we'll be led by you and, and you'll continue to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.